This is Season 3, Episode 2 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or a player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Our episode tonight is Bringing Player Characters Together, or Why Is It Always a Tavern? Welcome again to Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast, just like I said. We're all about helping you out with ideas, advice, cool stuff found, some emails, all sorts of good stuff like that. I'm Carl with my co-hosts, Eric and James, and you can find all our information about the show at MasteringTheRPG.com. Please send us an email with feedback, questions, what have you, at GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com. Again, that's GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com. So... It's good to be back on the mics. Uh, good evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you might be. Uh, <laughs> Eric's giving a little, a little laugh there. So, hey, Eric, how are you doing? It's it's always it's always funny to talk about James and his strange Feywild Fey under underground world that he lives in. This uh, is why we just say g'day in Australia. <laughs> just it just makes it easier. Yeah, you don't say good universal. morning or good afternoon. Just say g'day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, like the smoke has cleared here in the Bay Area of California, so got some good outdoor uh, walking and breathing. <laughs> so in. you can live. <laughs> and we're just we're just lighting up the scrub in Australia, which is good. So starting it's our burning off season, like. which is great <laughs> because yeah, Australia will burn this summer. Yes, fire yeah, is the con- constant theme. I think. Uh, <laughs> so any, uh, any cool gaming you guys been doing? Sure. I, on our side, we just uh, Eric and I just started a brand new campaign, which is actually kind of apropos because we just introduced the player characters together. So yes. I'm sure there could be an example there. Uh, yes. Ooh, did you do it in a tavern? <laughs> well, we did not do it in a tavern. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and I would say, Carl, I think this is, I think. This is probably the deepest that we've gone with our with my character, right? Like as far as backstory and because I knew this campaign would be pretty long. I think that was the intention. We're going pretty deep with this campaign, so um, yeah, I went pretty deep. I didn't write it, you know. The backstory is a little bit over a page, but then I also did a faction. I wrote up and I wrote up about a um, like my tribe, my lizard folk tribe. Um, and then more stuff had just been coming to us. So James, you'll like this. There's going to be some of a, my character doesn't know it, but he's been, he's been influenced by an hag and, and a really nasty yeah. Anna's hag, uh, yeah. has influenced his bloodline. And that's why he was exiled because he is not crocodilian. The, the swamp, the swamp mother has turned his back on him. So they've exiled from his tribe. So, um, yeah, we're going to have some cool hag stuff that like, Love Eric it. knows about, we'll touch but, on that but probably my character doesn't know about. So it's kind of like awesome. defining yeah, some exactly. relationships that that you had and how, how things are going. So James, how about you? You had any, uh, I know you were yeah. preparing and. I'm, I'm the opposite at the moment. I, I'm, I'm preparing for the end of my year's campaign. So I'm winding up four campaigns in the next 10 weeks. So I'm in that process of plotting out the last 10 sessions and working through the big boss fights and, making sure that I've got plenty of time to tie up loose ends in all the campaigns so that everyone feels nice and satisfied and the ending is, is neatly neatly kind of tied up and, and working on that at the moment. So I'm spending almost the next entire week on uh, resolving campaigns and writing endings, which is which is fun. It's, it's, it's bittersweet. It's always interesting when you come to the end of a, of a year-long campaign. 
you know, it's it's awesome, but yeah, um, I, I can often imagine. Um, with I always a bit of sad. always kind of bittersweet when you're ending a campaign because you get to see the payoff, but then it's like, well, oh well, now what's the next thing we're doing? So excellent, good to hear. So, um, speaking of uh, preparing and. Getting ready. I, I don't know. This is a terrible segue, but we do have an email. <laughs> we do have an email. Email. <laughs> so, it's so we do, segue. We do have an email this week from Donald, and we appreciate again Middle all age. the emails people send. Um, it's it states, "Hello, I'm a big fan of Red Dead." De- Red Dead Redemption 2, say that fast, and it inspired me to get, yes, I hear, hear good things about Breaking. it. Breaking, um, fantastic. And it inspired game. me to get Deadlands for Savage Worlds. Yay, Savage Worlds. Um, that brilliant. was my editorial. Um, I'm not sure I would have saw the story potential of such a setting yeah, without playing the video game. So the question I, uh, that Donald has is, what games, movies, books, etc., have inspired you guys to create material for your role-playing games? He says, also, P.S., yes, I'm this old. And then finally, thanks for taking the time and effort to create the podcast and the Tabletop Tango YouTube videos. Uh, so uh, classic question, I think. Um, I'll, I'll say there's lots of good material out there that I've yeah. been inspired over the time. But I, I just want to throw a monkey wrench in myself personally. Is I also get inspired by the science of the day. Again, I do a lot of modern and science fiction stuff. And so the science questions that are in every people's minds, um, which is kind of pulled from the headlines, things like um, I had a campaign that looked at the digital dark age, what happens if we lose all data um, and we have no way of getting it. And I just got done with a campaign that started with the question of what if we were all and actually were in a simulation as people are thinking. So uh, that really inspires me to think some stuff. Now they didn't turn out they actually were, but it, it kind of had that feeling. So, um, I, that's kind of where I've go. I don't know. Is there any recent stuff, uh, that, or, or things that inspired you? I know before we got on the microphones, there was some interesting conversation we were having. So what about you guys? It's a tricky thing, isn't it? Uh, in the, everything, can I answer everything? Like I, that's my answer. <laughs> like you know, when when you run games and you're and you're running and you're designing stories, I'm a, I'm a complete sponge. I will steal from everything that I've ever read, ever ever seen, ever yeah. ever absorbed. Um, one of the things that I I try and pick from are real life history. I, I tend to read a lot of histories and kind of then I will blatantly steal something because often. Particularly if I'm if I'm looking at, at non main not mainstream culture non Anglo Western cultures in terms of history and storytelling, then you can tend to steal pretty mercilessly without anyone ever being any of the wiser in terms of my 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 play groups that play um, lots of old legends and lore. But in terms of modern films and modern uh, storytelling, I I pilfer all the time from things like that, mostly for for pace and mostly for theme. So, for example, I'm doing Masks of Nalathotep, a fantastic, um, a fantastic pulp Cthulhu game. Uh, so I will binge everything pulpy and Egyptian because right now our, our group's in Egypt 
just to get that that kind of same vibe. So I'll I'll watch all the Mummy movies and I'll watch all the Indiana Jones movies and I'll watch, you know, the 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 bad nineteen eighties King Solomon's Mines just to get that kind of sense of style and sense of pace. So I tend to once I've got a, a campaign in mind, I will steal mercilessly from every influence that I can that relates to that to that story. Harry? Uh yeah, I mean I completely agree. I think I think I mean, I think really even subconsciously or unconsciously uh, or subconsciously, I mean, uh, we are constantly drawing from the media we've consumed. And that's just human nature, right? That's art. Like all art is built on the backs of other art. And I think it's almost impossible to um, extricate yourself from that as far as the creative process in, in making role playing games. I do think, though, Donald here is specifically talking about more more than just like, you know, things influencing you. And I, I totally agree with you, James, like. I, you know, I've Fallout, like as far as the video game, like I made a whole Savage Worlds Fallout document, 60 pages. You can find it online. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll talk about a link once, but, but, um, and I ran, you know, I've ran games within that universe. Um, I've also, characters that I've done are influenced from, you know, certain genres. And just like you, James, I'll often pull from, I, I was a big, uh, storytelling mythology buff. I thought I was going to be a storyteller at one point. I actually apprenticed with a storyteller, so I have a huge collection of myths and fables from all over the world, and when I'm doing sometimes, when I am jamming, I'll often draw from those, just to even get like unique storylines or unique kind of takes on things. But I think Donald here is specifically talking about something that you didn't see. Like, I think he normally didn't see the potential of a Western game as far as an RPG until he played Deadlands. Mm. And I think that, that one's a more interesting question, and, and I struggle with a little bit of that, of like, I, I'm trying to think of a time when, you know, I I was like, oh, I saw something. I mean, there's definitely times like I think we, James, we talked about this before, like Carnival Row, which it's an okay show. Like I like it. I think kind of has you know, touch and go scores, but that definitely influenced me to want to do like a um, you know that kind of industrial, uh, gritty, um, pulpy that that kind of you know mix of technology and magic. Um, kind of like Arcanum, but like the more like industrial like um, yes. age, um, steampunky. So the, yeah, the yeah, like more kind of steampunky, but just not totally that way, right? So that that one definitely influenced me a lot. Of just like, oh, this is a cool setting that you can do. Um, and yes, yeah, so I think some of the things like that. So I don't know if there's any of those examples you guys had. Well, I, I... like specifically. Well, Carnival Row was a major factor for Fay Touched, and yeah. you know, and, and those kind of those kind of stories as well. Um, I've run games set in Star Wars esque universes that have not been Star Wars. I've run Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons games loosely set in the Dagobah system that um, was not inferred and no one picked, which was kind of interesting because I had a, a the small, you know, kind of grung frog-like mentor that no one picked as Yoda. Well, I, I, I have kind of just been watching um, For All Mankind. And that, yeah, you told me about the show. And so oh, I, oh, yeah. I, I really I just finished show, right? the first season yeah, and I, I just started into the second season. But it's already got me saying, wow, I, I never really thought a lot about too much gaming and alternate histories. Um, you know, and now it's like, well, that would be fun. You know, what happened? Yeah. Do, because uh, Eric knows I'm like a what if guy. Uh, I, you know, what what if this? And then how does a campaign come from that? So yeah. definitely that would be, that, that's got me inspired. I haven't done a campaign on it, but it's got something in the back of my mind. And those nuggets in the back of my mind are what kind of ferment for a while that turn into something. So um, that's a recent one that's just kind of on the top of my head. 
So cool. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Nice. Uh, thanks, Donald, for the email. Really appreciate it. Um, keep them coming. Uh, everyone else, uh, we'd love to answer questions and get your comments and feedback. It'd be awesome. So now we are going to move into the main topic. So the main topic tonight, bringing player characters together. Uh, Eric has done the outline, and Eric is going to walk us through this fascinating topic. Yeah, this was an interesting topic, I think, because, uh, I mean, I wrote here, like, as an intro, it's a, it's a key and often overlooked part of a campaign. And uh, the meetup can often set the tone for some to all of the campaign. But when I, when I say it's overlooked, I think, not, I mean, of course it's not overlooked, right? That's always something that a GM has to contend with. But I think that there's more repercussions or it, there's, a, there's a deeper thing here than I think many people maybe give it credit for on first glance. And that, that's what I meant by that intro. Um, and when putting this together, I mean, the two main things here, the main components of getting the party together, um, and it's beyond just physically getting together. It, it's, it's the main things here to me were like the motivation of the characters, like why are they getting together? And also the, their interpersonal connections, like how much they know each other. And when I was originally doing the outline, I was kind of undecided which one to put first because really um, they're, they're all kind of, they all kind of feed off each other, right? You can combine these in all in different ways. So uh, this is not structured to be like, this is what you should think about first. This was just the only way that I, I just thought, okay, I have to do it some way, right? But I think you could really play with each component of these. Um, so first up, I wanted to talk, I think motivation is a really, really important thing. And that's, again, that's why are they getting together? And there's two main things here that I put. Maybe you guys have some other opinions. And I don't think they're actually mutually exclusive, but one is usually a dominant factor. Um, and the two things here are goal um, and circumstance. And we're going to talk about the goal first. So the goal is, you know, the parties, they, they've gotten together because they share a common goal or there's some type of shared means to accomplish their own personal goals, right? Like there's, you know, it, it could be that they all care about the same thing, but could all be they have their own agendas, but they've come together because what the task they have to do together is what's gonna help them accomplish their personal goals. Um, yeah, so I think here, let's, let's talk about the, uh, so in this Perhaps, one, you're yeah. thinking like, you know, you've all been hired to explore this hidden tower, but for each of the characters, their goal as to why they want to explore said tower, it might be different. But yes, you're kind of like, bringing it all together into a common thread where they're all here to explore or undertake the archaeological dig of the hidden tower. One is looking for the crown in order to relinquish his people. The other is just looking for gold. There's is a that forcing what function. You're yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, a common one? yeah, I mean, sometimes like, right. Yeah, characters are getting together because, you know, if they all, okay, there, there's this quest and they all really care about it or, yep. um, you know, like they, they, they share the same thing. But when, it, when it's a, a means to the ends for each of them, that, that could be the easiest thing here is just the money thing, right? That, that's yep. the go-to is at the tavern, they're all there to take a job. And the, the JMS will say, like, you, you guys need money for some reason, right? For whatever reason that is. Some people, it's because they want personal wealth. But some people, they're like, I need money so I can get magic items to get stronger to, to like, take revenge on X, right? Or I need to get influence or I need to get enough money to, like, pay off this person because they have my sister. Or so, you know, whatever it is. So when, I, when we talk about the motivation, it's why are they motivated? Um, yep. Yeah. So goal, specifically. 
Um, so some of the things here, like what are the differences between goal and circumstance? And I think I'll start just here. The, the, the best thing for me for goal, I think it's the easiest buying for characters. This is the easiest way to, um, you know, for characters to be like, when, when you're talking to them and you're like, okay, you all need to meet up at this tavern because there's a quest, there, there's, a, you know, there's a job that they have. This is going to be the easiest buy-in. For, for the characters to do. So it's just kind of the easiest start. So, I mean, what, Carl, what do you think here about uh, the goal? I think kind that of this is probably one of the most normal, right? It's of the two, right? Goal and circumstance. Goal is yeah, by far, I think, the one that tends to happen more um, than any other one because it is easy to say for lower level characters or people who are just starting the campaign, money's important, Power is important. I mean, they're they're adventuring, so they get more powerful. Um, they all have yeah. backstories they've written where there's something that hopefully links, and we'll talk more about that. But hopefully, links them together so they all have a reason to go do something. But it's 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 kind of it's internalized um, somewhat. It's like coming from their internal desires as opposed to external forces forcing them to do something because that's just the way it is. They have their own their own internal, yeah. um, uh, I don't know, a goal, <laughs> for lack of a better term, right? Their own mo their internal motivation. motivation. So, yeah, their own um, internal motivation. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's what I, I kind of think about it. And I do think it is one of the easiest ones because it is so it is such the norm. I mean, people expect it um, to be a, a way that these things start. What? James? Yeah, a simple way to start things. One thing that I try and do, though, is give it some action immediately. Um, you know, <laughs> it's kind of everyone gets together in the tavern and we all decide that, yes, let's explore this Yon Tower for our own personal motivations. Um, it, it is tried and true. It's good to, it allows individual motivation to come to the fore, but it is tried and true. So in my mind, you need to spice that up or put a, a slight twist on it in order to keep it a little bit fresher. Yeah, I, I think the, the the all you know the the simple money or like influence right, and then each character having their own thing. Again, like we said, it's the easiest bind for characters, but it is the most tried and true. I mean, having them all share the same goal, even that makes it a little bit more interesting. And again, as the GM in your session zero, you're like, make whatever characters you want, but here's the kind of framework you have to make them in. And one of those could be like, you all have to want to like, there's a uh, a, a call to arms, right? And we'll talk about the kind of different types uh, in a second. Um, well, I mean, we'll talk about the some of the types that I wrote down are the mercenary type, right? Which as we said, like money treasure. Then there's the call yeah. to arms, which is the defense of a thing. And then I hear, I put wish, which is like some type of a great power. Like, uh, you know, whatever, they'll, what they'll get from it is this like great power that they can use for their own means. But something like the call to arms, like just that twist of, you guys all have to care about the same thing. You, even if you don't know each other, you all have to care about the same thing is like a different twist on it. Like you all have to care about defending this country from invaders, right? Yeah. Whatever. But I mean, you could have different kind of reasons why you want to do that, but that's more of a cohesive goal. And some of the other things here I like about goal is that it is the better way out of the two to kind of ensure the personality types and alignments, quote unquote alignments, right? But they're more cohesive with each other because that's when you can be like, okay, well, you're all you know, you're all generally good. You're all traveling to take this job and the job itself is, you know, to, to go like defend or go look out from, you know, this, this village got destroyed or, or whatever. Um, 
and you're all from these general areas. Like you can, as a GM, define those kind of things more when you have this uh, motivation, um, uh, yeah. goal motivation. And I also oh, that's think an important, it, yeah, that's an on. important thing too, Eric. Is when you're when you're putting this together in terms of coming up with the idea, the central idea of why people should be traveling together. Be really overt with it. You know, this is this is great session one fodder where you actually say the goal of the group is to do this and before character creation, yeah. which allows you to really set this in motion and allows you to really root the beginning of the campaign to to the very specific kind of you know all encompassing. Uh, goals yeah, I, I remember our Chicago together, Plus sure. game. Yeah. I mean, you all were um, basically runners, and you had a reason to. You, you're all looking for money, but one of the things I added on top of that was you all cared about the city. This was your home. You loved your. You loved Chicago. So when yeah. things, when something happened, which looked a little, a little, you know, off. From what it should be that would could affect the city, you guys all rallied around, and it was no longer money. It was solve a problem. Yeah, so um, that was the call it, to arms. So it yeah. started off one way as a mercenary and kind of morphed into something else, and you all were on the same page because um, there was a goal in mind. And I think that that's something, and we'll talk about it uh, more, a little bit more on the interpersonal connections. But that is something very important for for both, for all, all of these, for getting the party together, is to always think about. Once you've gotten them together, you need to keep them together. So there always has to be some type of hook, and you really have to think about it because you can't just rely. I mean, I, I've been in games where the game master didn't really think about it, and it really put the onus on us to be like. I mean, we don't really have a reason to stay together yeah. besides the fact that we're, you know, pl people coming when, together to play this game. And that yeah. just oh, never feels very fulfilling. So I, I think um, the goal, well, while it's, it's one that can, uh, you know, might be a little bit less hooky in the beginning, it has the, the ability to adapt more and to have the more long-term hook. Where now when we talk about circumstance, that one's going to have the big hook in the beginning, Right, but that one has the biggest chance to kind of just dissolve afterwards. So let's let's unless you guys have anything to talk no, about goal, goal we can move right into circumstance. No, no, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm keen so to explore this one. Circumstance. This is my. This is the one that, as as a game master, I do circumstances pretty much ninety percent of the time. I don't know why, yeah. um, but this is where the party finds it. Far, this is the party finds themselves to thrust together by external forces. So for whatever reason, right. Um, if this is a kind of a they've they've been captured, like enslaved or held for ransom, or as like you know even like chattel, like food chattel, if there's some weird alien race or fantasy race that 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 looks at them as food, uh, disaster like a natural or magical catastrophe or an invasion, right? And then the third one is what I call the Looking Glass. This is the other world or plane, which I think uh, James is is very fond of um, the Looking Glass. So this is yeah, this is external forces have forced them together. Um, now the things that I like about this is that it really allows the widest spectrum of character types, personalities, social stratum, e and even like geographical locations. Like they could be taken, you know, teleported from all over the world. So this has the biggest variety of kind of character types. Um, and it's often a more mysterious and exciting start. But I think there's a lot of pitfalls with this too. So James, what's your experience with the kind of circumstance motivation? I, I love these starting ways to start. Uh, I, I think that they're, they're really, really strong. Um, starting a campaign with action and throwing everyone into uh, a life-threatening situation right at the beginning, 
brings everyone together really, really quickly. My favourite beginning, and this is a kind of a, it's a, a mini campaign that I run quite a bit, um, is the group are members of a desert caravan and they're travelling for different reasons so that you can bring in, in, you know, individual goals. But within the first minute of the campaign, that caravan's attacked by a blue dragon yeah. uh, and their camels are uh, sent to the wind and so it immediately becomes a desert survival game as opposed to a desert, uh, you know, kind of caravanning game. So you're bringing people together just in order to have the circumstance. And you're right, people can be quite wild with their backgrounds and their character stories. There doesn't have to be such strong impetus to have players have a cohesive background together. They can be from wherever they want, and, and I really love it. I think, I, think, I think these kind of starts are really, really great, and it immediately brings the group together against a common foe, which is kind of what you're after, um, you know, that, that immediacy. So, no, love, love it entirely. Yeah, I think... Um... Carl? I've used the circumstance more. It's more that uh, fast start for like one shots where it's much easier. I, I, the, the struggle I have with from a campaign yeah. standpoint is unless it's this external force is a grand force that. Um, so it's a really great start, like James say, but there's got to be something grand about it to kind of keep people together yes. for a long period of time. So things like uh, a natural disaster that's relatively solved in a couple of sessions. Now the question is, well, why do all these different personality types who got forced together to solve this disastrous attack on the city, why now that they stay together and what's the next step? It really works better if the arc of the overall, yeah. I think, campaign is the big external force. Like there is a singular um, evil in the world that forces all of them because they all have some reason that they've been... A, impacted by this this external force and it's going to be a long term so that's just kind of a personal thing um it's really very good for short campaigns like just magical um but you got to be careful when you're doing a longer one that you keep that in mind that there's there's got to be a reason after that initial um that initial uh, circumstance is is overcome that there's a reason for people to stay together yeah um, and that you don't start getting tension because of the different agendas and people are trying to pull each other in different ways and now there's more distrust and so um, a lot of negatives there sorry about that <laughs> no i, I that, that's absolute that that is absolutely true and that's what i was trying to kind of illustrate before but between the two you know the circumstance is the more exciting start it has the most flexibility as far as character types but there is bigger pitfalls here and when we're talking about sustaining character motivation which I think is very important. And we could almost even have a, a, a separate episode about it because that is one of the biggest pitfalls I've seen for campaigns, especially for, for newer GMs. Um, the, the, the circumstance one, that is going to be something you really have to look out for. So while it is more attractive to do that as a game master, you really have to take the time and, and really think about, well, what is the hook for when, when, when like, like you said, Carl, when, when the, when the kind of main thing is done, right? If it is done, I mean, I think for something like the Looking Glass, that is a campaign sustaining thing, right? When they've gone into a different plane, that is a campaign thing. But something like being captured, which a thing that I love doing is is, is being captured and enslaved, and then they, they kind of have a one up on their captors, and then maybe like 
they, they you know, they get some type of prize, like a, like an airship or something afterwards, um, or like a ship if it's a space game. Um, but yeah, that that is something to really, really think about is what am I going to do to sustain their motivation after the thing has ended? And, you know, th there's always the way of like, there's a curse, right? That's one of the, the kind of things that that's kind of a, a gimme is they've been cursed in some way or they've made a very powerful enemy. That's another big one. Um, for whatever, you know, if there's something behind this, this thing, um, they've thwarted the, the, be the, the big bad guy, right? And that's, that's going to keep them together. Um, or there's some terrible secret that they've found out and nobody else is going to believe them. So are there any other kind of tips you have uh, uh, for, like, keeping that sustained motivation, James? Well, the thing for me, it's you have to have the, the next reason as to why they continue together almost immediately in mind. So once the disaster has befallen the group, the next bit of understanding what caused the disaster and understanding that they're the ones in order to solve the problem is the next immediate thing you have to lock in there. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, in order, there, there has to be a reason as to why the disaster why they've been captured, why they've gone through the plane. There has to be some overriding thing that the players need to understand pretty quickly that it's their responsibility of dealing with. So um, I love the circumstance thing, but you're right. There has, you have to bring them pretty closely to bear in terms of a focused energy as to what's next um, once they survive the initial bringing them together. You're, you're dead right for that. Any other specific kind of things that you like to do, uh, Carl or James? I, you know, honestly, I, I'm i a goal kind of guy. So 90% of my campaigns are more goal than, yeah. than circumstance. I use circumstance for one-shots okay. and short campaigns all the time. But for a longer campaign, it really... Yeah. Um, now, that to what James was saying, though, is after the immediate capture and getting out of that, they may have now a common goal to find the, the, the person who capped. So it, it kind of morphs into now a longer term yeah. goal oriented um, kind of game at that point in time. So they're not really mutually exclusive in that regard, I suppose, but. Uh. No, and that's what I was saying at, at the start is they're really not, you can play with both of those, but that initial start is very impactful. Okay, I think we should move on to the next section because this one's gonna be even meatier and I think it's even more interesting. And this is what I would call the interpersonal connections. And this is basically how much does the party know each other, right? And there's three levels here. We've got, we got a no connection, we got a partial connections, and we got full connections. And again, yeah. these are not necessarily mutually exclusive. And let's talk about no connections first. This is when the party are complete strangers to one another. And I think we'll talk about this in pros and cons and tips. Um, <laughs> so Don't I'll, do it. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> okay. But we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, uh, so the pros here is that... <laughs> Um, this allows for that really organic meshing of new character personalities and builds, right? When, when, when people already know each other, you don't have – there's, there's this weird kind of role-playing onus that is over their heads of, um, well, you know, we know each other, but our characters don't, but we're supposed to know each other. So it's just kind of weird. But this is, this is the most, like, I have known nothing about you, so it, it's like discovering your characters for the first time. Um, and again, I think this also allows for the biggest diversity of characters, right? Because because they don't they don't have relations with each other, they can be vastly different from from one another. Um, what are the other some of the other kind of pros of this, Carl? That you um, got from? Well, I, I think it's one of the things is 
it just allows for all the creativity in coming up like you like you were talking about backstories and character concepts and um it's it's open right it's it's basically the it's it's greenfield do what yeah. you want but that goes into the cons coming up because it's got full of cons um and and it does it it does yes. now have because um, <laughs> remember we have different goals people have internally and if you have such a rich difference in backstories and they have no understanding of each other or shared wow you've got a lot of different concepts that you could follow and a lot of different paths that are available every character has their own path they want to follow um, so that makes interesting story opportunities for sure yeah what about you james and we could we could throw cons in here and pros yeah i mean just was what's your take uh, on the whole thing i'm struggling for a strength here i'm struggling for a pro uh look yeah it allows for lots of individuality it is probably well used for groups that enjoy role play i think i think if you're going to do this kind of thing where every character option is on the table there's no connections with any of the other characters and we're bringing people together in order to just uh you know you've all been hired to escort this wagon um it's over to the players and so for a group that is good at role playing and is good at coming up with reasons to be together um this is fantastic but you have to really trust your players will step up to the plate and kind of do this extra grunt work really because that that forming of connection is half the battle in terms of your first couple of sessions um and it, it can be very it can be quite tricky i i i don't like it <laughs> i'm not gonna lie um i i find it very very difficult and very yeah. time consuming to kind of then come into a game where there is no connection between players just means that you've got to spend a lot of time creating and connection that, between characters yes. it, it just yeah, means you've just all, all you've done is just put it off and, until and the start of play yeah um you and it's so rough on the, the GM because now if they don't make those connections, it's all on you yeah. to somehow force fit these these pegs into the different holes um, with folks who are maybe now you're herding cats more so than you would normally have to anyway with player characters and players. Um, so I, I there's some pros, but I'm not a huge fan of it generally. Um, I probably. But it just adds more work for the yeah. GM, and being a GM, I don't want more work. Um, so, <laughs> I I think about I I ran this for my kids' game last year. I ran Strixhaven, um, which is the uh, Harry Potter fifth edition yeah. Dungeons and Dragons ripoff of Harry Potter world, um, and I allowed everyone to be whatever character they wanted with no connection to any of the other players because the connection was you turn up to day one of school. Yeah. And that's why you're there. So you start at day one of school and you meet each other through that. But it took weeks of shared lessons and shared experiences and bits and pieces for the group to actually form together as a group that gave a crap about any of the other players. That's the hard part of it is that, you know, it, you want people to be saving friends. You want people to be healing people who are injured. And if the whole point of the, the thing is, I don't know you guys from a bar of soap, why would I even bother? It takes a long time. You have to, to share to chocolates on the train. Yeah. Quite tricky. That's what, that's what yeah. it's all about. You share chocolates on the train. Yeah, <laughs> you have to have that prequel. Yeah. And yeah. 
I and, and this is again, but this now this is not my least favorite of the three, but it is not my favorite still. Um, but I do think that. I mean, of course, like all the cons that you guys were saying, of course, and I think a big risk of it also is just having, like we talked about, that all that flexibility, all that diversity of characters can also lead to not having a, a well-meshing of the personality course and kind of breaking the dynamic of the, of the group or even the narrative, possibly. So I think there's some of the biggest pitfalls here as far as because, because of that diversity of character types. But I do think that when we're talking about the no connection, this can go along well with the circumstance, right? Because a lot of the circumstance narratives, you're going to have people from maybe even, maybe they've yes. been teleported from all over the place. So it does go along with that. And it, 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 the, the problems of both kind of line up. So they're not compounded when they're with each other. You still have to have that strong hook afterwards. And in some ways, when they're in that circumstance, they really are forced together, right? So I think for me, the no connection is something that I would only really use um, in that like circumstance of they're from disparate areas, like they've been in, they've been captured or they've been teleported, things like that. Um, but so we've really trashed this one. Let's talk about some of the tips. Um, I think here is again we have, we talked about session zero, session zero, but here you have to be the most clear about the type of, of the game that you really want to do. I think because again it, they can be from so many different diverse characters, and because they're they're not connected in any way, so they don't have to have personality meshes with each other that you have to be the most clear on what you're kind of the game that you're playing and the type of characters generally that you want to do because they can just run wild, right? And they're not kind of reining each other in because they have some type of personal connection. Um, and yeah, like we said before, and, and you really need to have that hook to stay in because strangers are going to be less likely to want to stick around, um, especially strangers with like, you know, even if you have a loner character, if that loner character knows somebody, then that some that other person can kind of pick up the slack. And we'll talk about that in the next section. But what any other well, tips? I, well, from I have you guys, one that's it's, it's really and this yeah. goes kind of session zero-ish, but this one to work, you really have to have a lot of conversation between the GM and the players on their backstories and motivations. So that they even though they're all getting forced together and they don't know each other, there is some thread of some shape so that you don't have one character that wants to be, I, I'm a murder hobo and I kill people in their sleep and someone else who that just isn't going to mesh with <laughs> at all. So having a better yeah. understanding of working on, and, and that's part of the con right now. There's a lot more GM work with the player to make sure that their backstories don't go completely off into left field to the point where, there's no way these things will ever mesh, even with the circumstances driving them together. Um, so I, I think spend some time on those backstories with your players to make sure that those motivations will at least mesh in some shape or form once the initial um, uh, the initial shock of whatever event happened that's pushing you together um, happens. You know, you learn that they do have a heart of gold, even that rough exterior, and now we start coming together as a team, whatever, you know. So... Any tips, James? Yeah, for me, it's about giving space for role-playing opportunities so that so that they can form those connections. And that could be if you're if we're looking at um, a more circumstantial start of the campaign, for example, you, you could include you know rubble from a building almost buries one of the players, so the other players have to then assist to rescue them out of yeah. the rubble, or they you just need to kind of place it so that the shared experience of that initial circumstance is strong enough and people have cared about each other in that initial battle 
that that you you draw the bond in nice and close. Um, I I always try and look for opportunities for any one-on-one discussions you can have and draw those out as best you can in the first couple of sessions so that you do get character-to-character connection rather than it's just GM putting plot, putting activity into it. You give them a bit of space to to form the friendships, I guess, is the hard bit Um, because, yeah, you need to form those connections pretty quick in, in, in a in a game that we, where they're coming with none. I guess yeah. that's the trick. All right. Uh, let's move on to partial connection, which is my favorite. I believe it's your favorite. So uh, let's talk oh, about yeah. it. Um, this <laughs> is when the party doesn't know everyone else as a whole, but they have some, uh, some of them or all of them have some type of personal connection to one, uh, to one, one other uh, characters, one or more other characters. So yeah, that was a kind of a confusing word salad, um, but basically means that, you know, doesn't have to be all of them, but but some of them either are like close or have passing acquaintances or have some type of connection in some way. And I just want to note as a side note here, this can happen organically with a no connection setup. Unless you as a game master are forcing the no connections thing, right? You're like, you guys do not know each other. You're from these different places. This can happen organically. And somebody like, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here in, in any single way, but me, I, because I like this so much, I often will call this out to other people. And in some of the games I'm in, game groups that I've been, now, like, you know, we've been playing for a while. Um, it's just, like, it's not just, like, it's me doing it, but it's also other people doing it now. It's just it's just kind of the modus operandi. So this can happen organically is what I mean. Um, but let, let's talk about it. So why do we like it so much? Um, I think it has so much of the strengths of the no connection thing that we talked about, but it has much less of the cons. It, it's, it allows those characters to be more tied in just immediately. Um, and I think what I talked about before too is that like you can have these disparate character types, but because there's people with maybe a connection to, a connection with each other, they can balance each other out. And uh, it also just, it helps tie in those like disparate character types, right? Because if you have somebody who's more chaotic, who's friends with somebody that, you know, doesn't mind that about them, but is also kind of the more reasonable one. Cause that's often the dynamic you have. It's not usually like two completely chaotic people, right? They might be like both kind of violent or not good quote unquote, but one will be the kind of more sensible one. And so they can balance each other out in that way. Um, so what are the other, I mean, James, I know you love this. What, 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 what are the, some of the reasons that you love this so much? I love it because it cuts down time on getting people together. If, 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 if you're bringing, say you've got a group of five or six, yeah. If you've got a couple of pairs of characters and then the outlier, the, the single guy, it means you've only really got to introduce half the amount of group dynamic to get it to get the group to run. Yeah. It also means that there is a much stronger bond as to why you would protect your friend, you would help your friend. It allows for group conversation really early in that those two players can talk about what's going on between the two of them and come up with a group idea that then might drag the extra person along there's come you join us you know it allows for for immediate connection and to play and for me what i love most about it is it allows for shared backstory which means that future plot can be dropped pretty quickly and easily and it can affect two people instead of one um, effectively what you're doing is you're you're giving yourself a shortcut 
to all the things that you want to have happen in in the formation of the group. You know, if, if you think about the group, you want them to understand each other. You want them to understand each other's characters and what they can do. You want to you want to have a shared common uh, agreement about where we're going to go forward and what we're going to do next. If you've half done that work before you even start the game, um, it makes it for a much simpler, much more streamlined, much more satisfying beginning to the game, and you can get right into it much quicker. I literally do not think I can add anything better <laughs> than what was what was said right there. I mean, it is a, it is all about um, you you lessen the load because people have already figured out why they want to be together and why they care about each other. So you don't have to figure that out. Help them. You you don't have to have the building fall on somebody so that they all can try to do that. Even though a strong start like that is still good. Um, They've already care about each other. They may already have some shared goals in mind um, that, that they want to go. I mean, in our, in our current, we just started a new campaign and literally just got through the part where people were introducing themselves. And what was absolutely fantastic was it, it wasn't even the players necessarily knew each other, the player characters, some knew each other a little bit, but they had um, some other third parties that they all sort of knew that understood almost that these folks could work together and um, uh, they kind of knew of each other. And so they, it was easier to sort of define yeah. a goal by having the, this, this third party who knew all of them. They don't know each other from a hole in the ground, but they do know that this person is not going to steer them wrong, I guess, is, is the right way of saying it. And um, they join, they're going to join up to do something. Yeah, Go I, ahead, I, Eric. No, I, absolutely. I, and I, I was actually going to bring up two examples because I really want to make it clear here that it's not always about, you know, it's group of, if it's six, say you had six players or whatever, that's a lot, but it's not just like two, two, and two who've known each other for years. This can be so mixed up. And when we're talking about like, you know, some characters might have just met a month ago and they've been traveling together. Some characters may have known each other years ago, but they haven't seen each other recently. Some, like, so in Carl's game, as an example, uh, you know, usually as a player, I always love having a stronger connection. But in this game, because of my character, it didn't make sense for me to really know people. Um, but the, the, the kind of person who's my patron in this organization, this faction that we're calling the Wardens, um, she's the grandmother of one of the other characters. And she knows uh, another character that like, also knows the, the grandkid. Um, so there's this kind of you know, uh, two degree separation of connection. And then with this other Minotaur character we have who's in a completely different town, uh, you know, right before we decided, okay, my character doesn't know him well, but we had this encounter before. Um, so you can really play with this and just even those kind of, you know, not direct connections can still be strong as far as, um, storytelling goes. And another one I want to talk about here is that it is by far the best way to bring characters together from kind of opposing factions, maybe even insular factions or groups or social stratum. And I think a really good example here is James's game that we played, uh, Fate Touched, where we had only four players and two of, you know, Two of them didn't really know each other that at all. But then my character, we had, we had basically three factions, but two were really opposing. We had this kind of like urban faction, this this kind of empire, empire faction. We had the Fey faction. Then we had this kind of town, right, James? And I think yeah. just to, for us to all get together, it was like the two empire people, who was my character, who was a kobold and um, a half-elf, uh, Jared, um, we already had this kind of, you know, not closeness, but uh, we had this connection. And that 
really allowed, and I think mainly because of my character was so much more accepting because he was a kobold, it made the transition of, um, uh, I think, the, 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 the elven, the fae character and the other more like in the army character kind of come together much easier, James. And don't you think so? I think that was kind of key Absolutely. as far as the yeah, and that, that was together. And that was deliberate in that yeah. you... You then don't have to run four individual draw people in. You can. You, I, I had the opportunity of grabbing two, and and immediately launching with those two into the story. And the, the connection wasn't super strong, but it was enough in order to start the story. It was yeah. enough to allow that you would defend each other if under peril, which I guess is half the thing. If I look at the great meet in a tavern scene of our time, which is the Star Wars Tatooine Cantina. Of course, um, yeah. And you look at, you know, when when that group finally forms, we, you've got three distinct pairings that happen with that. You know, you've got Obi-Wan and Luke that have had their little backstory about why they've caught up with each other, but ultimately there's a familial kind of thing and off they go. You've got the two droids which have their their little, we, we've got to rescue our princess submission. They're working together. And then you've got, you know, um, Han and, and Chewbacca that are just trying to get enough gold to get out of town in order to escape from some bounty hunters. If you had to introduce all of those characters meeting at the beginning of that movie, that would make for a much longer story yeah. in some ways. If you had to explain how the two droids met each other, if you had to explain how Han and, 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 and Chewie met each other, it makes for much more difficult kind of connections. If you can already start with half of that story pre-written, it makes for a much easier start. With the surprise campaign where I talk about the desert caravan, for example, where everyone there's lots of reasons as to why you would be on a desert caravan, I always make half the group the mercenaries that are protecting the caravan. So there might be a reason as to why you've taken the job, but ultimately half that group know each other, they've fought with each other, they've, 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 this isn't their first rodeo, they've been on a mission together, they understand how each other work. And then the other people on the caravan were individuals with no connection, so that when the dragon actually hit, everyone had to kind of form into battle but half that group knew each other and trusted each other and were ready to fight, yeah. which meant I, I only had to introduce the, the passengers, which was um, much easier, much, much easier and much quicker. Yeah, and, and that's the last thing I want to bring up here is that this, this allows for the best use of prequel scenes, which I think you were kind mm. of alluding to. And out of the all three options, this is it's, it's the best way to do it because it takes that least amount of time. And I think prequel scenes are very, very uh, – powerful in, in, in the narrative, in the starting narrative, because you can set some backstory of why they're coming together. Um, and this is the only really way to do it, because like you said, if it's all individuals, it just takes too long. And the final thing I wanted to touch on here is that, do you always force it? Like, I think James, through to you, because I think you do this the most, like, do you always force it or do you kind of sometimes let it happen organically? I try not to force it in that desert one I do. Um, in that I've, I'll say I need half of you to be mercenaries, and so I set that up as a, as a big kind of this is a parameter of the game. For a normal campaign where, where let's play and let's, let's put this story together, you try not to force it, but what I do do is during that session one where people are putting their, session zero, where people are putting their character concepts together, well, I'd really like to play this, well, I'd really like to play this, I try and identify at least a couple of connections. We're not forcing it, but you'll say, and a great example, I've got a game that we've been playing. I had a, a goblin bard, and then I had a hobgoblin um, kind of war dancer um, who had proficiency in loot. 
And I said, can you guys be traveling musicians together? Would that be too big a stretch? Yeah. Can I have it that you've been playing together and you've traveled together and that you at least trust each other? Both those kids were like, yeah, that'd be fun. And so I got to play with these two Excellent. characters. Yeah. Um, but that was during their character creation process. You identify who yeah. might work well together. Come on, let's, let's, let's work a little bit on how this could be a bond. It's not forced, but it's guided heavily. Yeah, I think that's the key is that unless you're doing – unless it's for like a specific, very specific reason of the, the start, I think going the suggestion route, like like being aware of their backstories and suggesting if they're not doing it organically, right? I think like Carl, in our, in our game group at this point, it's pretty much a given yeah, yeah, pretty I, much I, in every session. I think there was some discussion. I think you wanted to do like the full connection at start, right? A little bit maybe. You were thinking well, about Well, I wanted it, I everybody to um, – it was more – that they have a reason why they were in the town where everything was starting. And it turned out that wasn't necessary. Yeah. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, I, you guys have been gaming together long enough now that you're just naturally looking for... It's just assumed. Yeah, looking yeah. for an opportunity to say, hey, my character's got something with your character, and what about your character with this character? And um, and then it's it just... it's I have not had to force it anymore. Um, when we first got together, yeah. the first time when we were playing in the first campaign with Chicago Plex, and I put down the rules of the road, right, in the looking for group, I, I did force it a little bit. I said, all you guys will have a reason to yeah. be working together as, um, as, as runners. And, and have known each other. Yeah. And you yeah. at least know of each other. And, you know, there's some kind of respect there. Because I didn't. Because I, now I was I was more worried about disparate players coming in than the player characters not having a relationship. I wanted the players to come in recognizing that, you know, we're going to be doing running. We're going to do jobs together and we're going to, it's not, I come in and I'm a murder hobo and that's the way I play characters. No, that that's not what I want. We're not going to do a game like that. So I forced it a little bit, but I don't have to do that anymore because I think once the players are comfortable with each other, they want to find a way to connect with other players somehow, um, their characters. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we should move right along and talk about full connection. This is where the party is either an already established team group or they're friends or they're at least passing acquaintances. Now, I'm going to set the start say this is my personal least favorite uh, way. And I know we're talking about pros first, but for me, the, the reason why it's the least favorite from a player's perspective is that even with good role players, I think it, it it's going to just naturally feel the least authentic when you are talking about, you know, the the we know each other, but we don't actually know our, our characters, right? Like, there's just no getting around that. And maybe it's not as big a deal to other people, but to me, it's just always this, like, hard pill to swallow, I think, is the... Um, is the, uh, the issue that I have. And again, I'm kind of mixing it up here, but I think for me, this, this to really do a full connection, it requires, requires some type of prequel scenes of when your party's members met. I think, to me, it's required because then you can have, you can do the full connection and there's a lot of advantages to it. And we'll talk about that in a second, but you get that ability to be like, okay, when they met, what was their first interactions like? So you kind of have some of that actual, like our characters are meeting for the first time, but still have the, the, the strength of it, which is like the, the, the best, easiest use of the hook. So yeah, I'll move it right along. Uh, Carl, what, what about you? What, what are kind of the pros and cons you have with, uh, well, I, I mean, the pros are, everybody's on the same page, right? I mean, it's a team, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and, exactly. it, and it makes a lot of sense for, for games that are based on teams. Um, so if you get like 
modern games where you're all agents working for an agency. You're in a military organization. Yeah. You're, there's a lot of reasons why you're going to have um, full connections required. Now, they didn't grow up together or anything like that, but they all went through basic training together. And so there's a shared thing. Now, you could do a prequel scene to that or not. Um, but one of the, so, but I, I think you mentioned a con is that it limits because characters don't know each other or the players don't really, uh, the characters don't the really characters. know each other. The players don't know the even characters. Even though they're supposed yeah. to know each other. But isn't that, uh, yeah. but indie games, a lot of them are kind of built on this heavy, everybody has some kind of relationship and they have questions like, Describe a time where you guys got together and fought side by side. Describe, and they go around the table and do that, and that helps, I think, a lot with defining yeah, a key attribute I, yeah. that you all share, and then you can build on that. You don't have to know that you know they have a brother, a long lost brother, but you know that we did fight in this battle together, and we were successful because of, or I don't like this person because of, and it it's like a mini prequel in the sense that you're able to state something, some yes. fact. Um, and that's, and so I, so I don't hate the full connection, but it's, it's for a particular kind of game. It's cause it, it's, it's less organic. It really is the, yeah, absolutely. So. No, no, you have a really good point. And that's like, cause I love powered by apocalypse games and especially something like monster hearts where knowing each other is, uh, at least as a passing acquaintance, having connections to people is a mechanic of the game. It needs to happen. But like, you know, again, this is similar to, I think, prequel scenes. You go through that process at the beginning of like, well, who's a connection? And then you actually talk about what the connection was and you talk a little bit about your backstory, like wh why you're different. So you, you spent that time to do almost like a role-playing exercise first. And that's all I meant was that I feel like to really do it the most successfully, you need to have an exercise like that, either prequel scenes or you go around the kind of table and you guys talk about your relationships are coming yeah, up. Makes sense. Um, James, I think you, you might, you have a lot of opinions on this. I, I really like full connection games and I've been thinking about when do I use them and when I use them it's predominantly with players that already know each other really well or groups that might have already finished a campaign together and are then starting a second campaign. Um, I, think, I think full connection groups do a couple of things for me. It can be, really, it can be a really creative process to in session zero go to a group and say, come up with the reason as to why you all know each other. And and it can be quite creative as part of that session zero for people that I do this before character concepts so so that then they can start creating characters that will fulfil the niche of that group. Um, a great example is my, I'm currently running a Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game. I've known these players for 30 years. I said, I want you to have, I want you to all know each other. I need you all to begin the game knowing all each other, trusting each other, and have fought together. And they came up with a travelling pit fighting circuit team. So there was a, a gladiator with his with his medic, the sponges off his face, and then there's a bard that, that fires up the crowd, and that's how they knew each other is by by working through this fighting the fighting pit circuit, and. I wouldn't have never have come up with that by myself. That's a group that came up with that as this is the group that they wanted to play. And then it allowed them to do a couple of things. They've already played the game games before. It meant that they didn't have to explain their tactics. It didn't have to explain their spell. They we come from a, an inference that they've already fought before, so they already know what they're doing. Yeah. So a lot of the metagamey stuff that you've got to do when you bring a group together, which is like, 
Wow, that was an impressive spell, stranger. You burnt the entire room. What what do you call that? Well, that was a fireball. You kind of get that out of the way. That there's already a shared understanding of, of all of that. And it allows for the group to come up with a lot of their own backstory, a lot of their own um, drama. I, I ran another Curse of Strahd game, again, with a group of players that knew each other very well. Um, and they came up with the idea being it was a noble salon. Uh, so the group were a group of petty second-tier nobles that would get together for um, absinthe and poetry. And so they kind of grouped together around this kind of understanding of the occult and the macabre, but they came from quite disparate backgrounds. But, but generally they were a group that would meet up once a, once a month for a large dinner. And it allowed for them to kind of come up with their own group dynamics as to why it meant that they, they were very invested in each other's safety and were very much rushing to the defence of each other when, when the shit went down. Yeah. Yeah. But what it did mean was our session zero for both of those scenarios were almost double the size that you would normally run a session zero because what you're doing is you're spending a lot of time coming up with that hook. But once you've done that, my God, starting a game's easy. Like it just, it, it made it really simple to start that game and it made it really simple to continue the motivation throughout the course of the campaign. Once we'd set that up once, it was, you know, these guys were fighting for each other a year later, yeah, you yeah. know, in, in completing that scenario. I, I, absolutely. And I think that is the key. And we've all pretty much are circling the same thing is that when you do this, I think it is a very important to, as a game master, create the space for it's just going to be more intense kind of role playing coming together and, and sharing the ideas. And like I said, if you're doing prequel scenes or you're doing like Carl was saying, like something like powdered by the apocalypse or you're going around the room and describing relationships or with James, you're saying twice the session zero time because they're spending the time to really discuss and to be like what their characters are like. And it's much more integrated. I think yep. my con with it is because I've been in games where the game master has been like, okay, you guys all know each other, but then has not spent the time to do any of those things. And so that, well, that's when it felt the least authentic to me is because yes. there was none of that shared kind of workshopping together and the shared storytelling that goes into the initial character creation. And it just felt so unauthentic. And it was like there was this kind of this, um, you know, tension of like, well, our characters know each other, but we don't have that. So that's, that's what I really want to touch on. And I think we all did it. We all brought it up in a different way is that spend the time. And it's kind of, the, it's like, kind of like training a dog, right? The more that you train them, uh, I was I was a dog trainer for ten years. So the more that you train them, the more that you train them as a treat your players as dogs. Yeah, yes, the, go the more the more that you put in uh, when they're a puppy, the easier it is for most of their life. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. So you just kind of think of it that way. The more that you do in the onus at the seed at the at the uh, initial right genesis of it, and having them all kind of communicate with each other and and bounce ideas off each other and talk about their characters. It, like you said, once they, then they can just go to the races, right? They already have that hook to each other. Um, and just have your rolled up newspaper for the murder yeah, just, hobo. Well, no, no, don't, you, no that's also bad. You always want positive reinforcement, James, positive. Give them, give them uh, magical items. Anyways, um, I think okay. the final th here to talk about is the anchor. The anchor is what I call the, the character that you are kind of narratively, yeah, using to using to um um using to uh 
get the party together. And this is not a lot to talk about, but like I think in our game, what we just did, Carl, I was actually the anchor, which was surprising. Um, but so how much do you use the anchor as far as like the narrative hook is? This was the one character that is like kind of knows everybody. And I think this is mostly with a um, either a full connections game where they're kind of acquaintances or a partial connections game. Uh, Carl, you seem to, you, you like to use it, right? As far as. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's just natural that there's usually one player character that can help because again they're that can help get the ball rolling there, there's a reason for them to um be help be the impetus to make things happen like they're you know they're the one guard who or like you're talking about with the caravan right the, the you're, there's the one there's the one individual there's a set of individuals who are guards and so they can help move the story forward so they're the anchor for making things happen so um, it, it's a useful thing, but you've got to be careful not to steal the spotlight from the other players right away and kind of make it all about the, the anchor yeah. to start with. That is a really good point. Uh, what about you, James? Do you use the anchor at, at all? I, I do. I, I use it. I, it makes me nervous, um, and I try and resolve it. I try and broaden the story as, as quick as I can. If you think about Fate Touched, I use the anchor on Kismay, who was our cleric. Yeah. Um, her transformation into a cleric of darkness and, and nightmare was my first story arc. Um, and so she was the anchor that kind of led through that. But the, but I had to be very, very clear that that was just for that first kind of three sessions or so. Once it, it's great for bringing people together um, in that a mysterious stranger needs your help and, you know, is on the run from 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 guards and the group kind of protects this person uh you know and I, I need to run because my my father's the king and he's under you know they're about to assassinate him but you have to get out of that quick um i wouldn't spend any more than two or three sessions where you're keeping that, that oh, anchor as yeah. the central pivot um, at some point the greater evil's got to emerge and everyone's got to be invested in it the risk is of course if you're putting a lot on the shoulders of one player um, and they might not be up for it. And the the second bigger risk is, you know, players drop out of games. And I've had the the very significant misfortune of putting too much plot impetus onto an individual, and then they haven't been able to meet it, make make a session or two, and then suddenly you're you're rudderless in terms of group motivation. So you've got to at least make sure that they're turning up for those couple of sessions. Yeah, that is the best point about it, I and mean, that's the biggest pitfall is that you have to make sure that the player can handle it and that they're going to be uh, staying in the group, you know, barring, like, you know, real-life disasters. But, um, yeah, okay, and then finally, this is going to be the shortest section. I think we're running a little bit into time issues now, but we have to talk about the tavern. I mean, that's the title of the episode, so the final thing here is the gathering point. Um, this is mostly for kind of the goal startups. It's not going to really be in a circumstance, right? When we talk about the tavern, what? this is for... Usually Start the goal. tavern and then the city gets invaded. Yeah, that's a true. Lot. That is true. But generally it's for the goal. But let's talk about the tavern or the bar restaurant. Why is it so iconic? Uh, does anyone want to describe it or should I? Because it's I'm a, a, it's a public fan. place that everybody shows it. up to. It's the public place. Yes, that's right. exactly. It's the public place. There's there's less pressure, right? Everybody has a reason for being there. Um, it's where food is often in medieval times. It's where alcohol is. Maybe the inn's there. So it, it just makes sense. Um, but I mean, there's other types, right? I think you can play with this. I think th that's store. what we're going to talk about here is how do you play with it? I think some of my examples I put in here is like meeting at a public park, um, a private residence can be really interesting. Like the, the you know, like the Baron's Keep 
or something um, where mm-hmm. they all meet. And then finally, like an outfitters, like a general store, like this is where they go to get supplies, right? And this was, that, that, that was often a place to, um, to, to meet up to. And I think when we think about modern games, do you guys have any other suggestions of where you might meet up? Maybe in just not even just in like fantasy games and uh, any other places? Uh, police, the police uh, lockup. Because oh, you're all problem, you're yeah, all problem people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the the usual suspects opening, yeah. I yeah. get it. Um, one thing that I've noticed a lot, and I'm actually starting to dislike it, is a lot of published adventures these days are doing. You meet during a festival, um, oh. and there seems to be kind of games of chance, and <laughs> and it allows you to for brand new players that have never played before, it allows you to kind of play test mechanics saying, oh, you need to shoot that arrow. Well, you need a, a you know, a, a dexterity test or something. Um, so that seems to be, to be becoming more prevalent. Call of Cthulhu, you, you have an inordinate amount of times where you meet in a lawyer's office for some reason. <laughs> like, it's like, I have the, the dead estate of my client and here you have to investigate it. Um, but, but for me, I love a tavern. I do quite enjoy yeah. it. Um, it's the it's a nexus point with travellers. It allows to provide rumours. Everyone knows where it is. Um, if it gets attacked, people get upset with their tavern burning down. Of course. There's, there's, it's a huge amount. I'll never forget I'd worked so hard to not have you meet as a tavern as part of the Fate Touched uh, opening. But within the session, the group decided, well... We know each other. What do we do now? <laughs> Why don't we go to the tavern and have yes. a drink and discuss about it? And the players chose to go there because it's it's a it's a natural place to talk and and drink and get to know each other. So don't discount the tavern. I yes, like and I, I, that is I think our main point is ultimately it's a cliche for a reason, and it's always going to be a good option, and don't, you shouldn't shy away from it because of that. Just a couple of other modern ones I want to throw in that I like. Um, I like meeting in like a train car or something. I think that could mm. even be, even if they're not traveling, that could be like if you're doing a more kind of like espionage game or something with like secrets, uh, some type of train car or like a Greyhound bus. But I just like the mystique of a train car. Another one for a more like modern or cyberpunk is like a headhunter's office, like uh, like some type of corporate thing that they've, you know, they know different people and they're getting them together and that's where you're meeting. Oh, the fixer's um, anything office. Anything like that. Can you think of any other modern ones or, yeah. Well, you, yeah, you were talking about the fixer's office, right? You know, get, the fixer's office, getting exactly. everybody together yeah. to 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 do a job. Um, but that but that can be true. Um, you know, you're if you're playing secret agents, you know, you're in. You know, Q's getting you all together to talk about and get you the gear you need. You know, there's there's lots of different yeah. um, like in the game we had you guys or the one we recently did where it's with sci-fi. You guys were the backup crew for a spaceship and you guys kind of knew each other, but you didn't know each other as well as you could have because you were the backup crew and then you were forced yeah. into the we spotlight. Met on the ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You kind of met on the ship because that was your, yeah. you were just the backup crew. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities there. <laughs> so play with it, but don't feel bad about the tavern. I think ultimately, and again, it was funny that that was the least amount of time we spent talking about any, out uh, all the subjects, but that was the title of the episode. But yeah, I think, I mean, we could probably talk about this for a bit longer, but we had to kind of, you know, carve it down to a reasonable amount. But I, like I said at the top, I think this has, it is often overlooked, and I think Game Masters should really spend the time, especially with keeping the hook going, um, depending on what options that you've kind of chosen, what we talked about. Um, any other kind of final thoughts, Carl or James? No, I think we nailed it, personally. Uh, 
Yep, and we're getting the wind up. We've gone over time. Um, look, it's for me. It's two things: bring the group together so there's group cohesion, and have them find find the strength to fight against the evil in the first session. Is is the real thing? All right, excellent. But great, excellent. great discussion. Really great. Excellent last thoughts there. So hey, thanks everyone for tuning in, and I hopefully you got something out of it. Remember to drop by Mastering the rpg.com to learn about um, our projects what we're working on contact us support us email game master at mastering the rpg.com if you have questions need some advice um, want us to adjudicate some differences of opinion we're more than happy to do that um, if you like the show please help us with positive reviews on the podcatcher of your choice um, we love we definitely think uh, thanks for the email we got today and we'd love to folks keep uh, keep sending them and give us a good good feedback we'd love to hear it So once again, I'm Carl with Eric and James. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Happy gaming.